0: So this class is on the Concentration Factors of the Eightfold Path. Jhana meditation within the framework of the Eightfold Path develops non-distraction from the effects of clinging, craving, desire, and aversion. As clinging begins to diminish, a practice of developing heightened concentration then becomes effective. very quickly if we're practicing right meditation as we'll get to that a little bit later but as we're practicing jhana meditation even that little uh, minor amount of deepening concentration or a deepening level of non-distraction now helps to support the entire dhamma practice and it really is just that simple as long as we're engaged in the right method so if we're engaged in the wrong method and wrong meditation like again a meditation practice it might be focused on visualization um, or uh, repetitive chanting and calling that meditation, or even I've heard people call uh, a bowing practice, um, a prostration practice as uh, as a concentration practice or walking meditation. None of that is a substitute for that simple act of sitting and being mindful of our breath and our body and allowing concentration to increase while all our clinging to our thoughts. So every time we take a breath, and then find that we're caught up in our feelings or our thoughts or both again, and then come back to our breath. We're we're interrupting that process of clinging to our thoughts. And this ultimately, it's clinging to that. It's not clinging to um, you know my new car or my new relationship or my new dog or any of that. Although those are expressions of a non of a distracted mind, it really is interrupting that process of clinging to each and every one of our thoughts because we self-identify with them. Right effort is the first of, these, of the concentration factors. Right effort. Right effort is generating the skillful desire, actions, and diligence to avoid inappropriate thoughts, words, and deeds that have yet arisen. The, uh, again, the wording can seem a little bit odd at first because we're not used to this, but what we're really talking about, what the Buddha's talking about here, is developing wise restraint. And where do we know how to apply the wise restraint? Well, we just looked at the virtuous factors of the Eightfold Path. We applied wise restraint when we find wrong speech, wrong action, or engaging in wrong livelihood arising. And it really is just that simple. The second aspect of right effort is to abandon inappropriate thoughts, words, and deeds that have arisen. How do we know what those inappropriate thoughts, words, and deeds are? Because they are reflected as wrong speech, wrong action, and wrong livelihood. Again, it's very simple and direct. The the third aspect of right effort is develop appropriate thoughts, words, and deeds that have yet arisen. How do we do that, and how do we know what they are? Well, again, they're framed by the Eightfold Path. They're framed by right view and right intention, and are expressed as right speech, right action, and right livelihood. That middle section, the virtuous factors of the Eightfold Path that we looked at in the last class, are the key to all of this because it shows us where our behavior is whatever it is that we hold in mind whatever quality of mind we have will always play out in our in our thoughts and our words and our deeds always the fourth aspect of right effort is to maintain appropriate thoughts words and deeds for continual development of non-confusion and skillful and the skillful qualities that have yet arisen that really is just a, a little bit of a complicated way of saying just keep practicing and notice when the, and this is one of the reasons why we structure the class the way we do so that we can actually see this process taking shape. So we can see as we're developing appropriate thoughts, words, and deeds. And each and every one of us has talked about that. Haven't we in class? We talk about the practical benefits of Dhamma practice as it relates to our thoughts, words, and deeds. We feel more, we feel more calm. Our relationships are more calm. Um, Our our lives are becoming more meaningful each and every moment, simply because we're present for our life as our life unfolds. Right view. Right view emphasizes the importance of abandoning abandoning non-virtuous acts. And how do we know what they are? Right speech, right action, and right livelihood. Being mindful of right view brings understanding that it is by strong attachment to the ego personality that non-virtuous acts occur. Again, how do we know? Because we'll be engaged in wrong speech, wrong action, and wrong livelihood. Nothing magical or mystical about this. This is all... Um, the Buddha's Dhamma is focused entirely on each and every individual and the way they think about themselves in relation to the world. We're going to get a little deeper into this process um, shortly after we finish this study, when we're going to do the, uh, the Vipassana instruction study again. As current non-virtuous behavior is abandoned, virtuous behavior can be further developed. Through mindful awareness of what is to be developed and what is to be abandoned, appropriate thoughts, words, and deeds are now the foundation for continued right effort. This is a specific application of mindfulness that is developed and maintained in the Dhamma. In other words, this is a type of mindfulness that the Buddha taught. Modern applications of mindfulness, most of them are wholesome. Some of them them aren't, really, um, because they're just leading to uh, adopting a mindfulness practice that is really just contributing to more distraction. Even if it is um, being mindful of washing the dishes, that's not dhamma practice. And that really is a distraction away from dhamma practice, because we think if we're doing that, if I'm Just mindful of while I'm scrubbing a pot or a pan, well, there I'm I'm good to go as far as as Dhamma practice. Not even close. Being mindful of washing the dishes is a development of right mindfulness, but it's not a Dhamma practice. Being mindful of what is to be abandoned and what is to be developed is the essence of right mindfulness. Right effort is one factor of eight in developing the path of liberation and freedom from the confusion of stress. It is a path of, of a cohesive method of understanding the four noble truths. Dhamma practice begins at the point of accepting the first noble truth, the truth of unhappiness and stress. And that simply means that we accept the fact that stress occurs. And when we when we Accepted in the right context, we're accepting it in an impersonal way. Stress occurs. It occurs equally to all as a consequence of having a human life, and nobody should take it personally because we're not, except as we start developing our understanding of our own contributions to stress. But even that can't be taken personally, can it? Or will we get lost. That's why you'll always hear me remind you to be very gentle with yourself, especially when you find these things coming up. A mindful and dispassionate quality of mind is not aloof disengagement from the from the people and events of life. This passionate mindfulness is being fully present with what arises, without discriminating thought, including clinging, avoidance, or aversion, or analyzing what's occurring. True mindfulness is a way of noticing things in an impersonal way. It's simply, this is what's occurring. And I think we talked about this last week, but it might have been at Thursday's class last week, that as we develop, and I've talked about it here too, as we develop the Dhamma, we learn the profound distinction and the difference between approval and acceptance. We are hardwired because of the way we're, we're brought up in this world. To think that in order for me to accept something, I have to approve of something. And that's what gets us caught up in life. I like it, I don't like it, before I can accept it. But a, a, an awakened, fully mature human being, of which the, the Siddhartha Gotama was the most radically acceptable, accepted human being ever, but he taught us how to do the same, accepts things as they occur because they've already occurred. And it's only an immature person, a less than awakened person, that would fight against not accepting what's occurring. It's foolish, isn't it? It doesn't mean that you approve of what's occurring. It doesn't mean that I, I approve of things going on in the world today. But I learned to accept it. Why? Because I'm mature enough to do so. Because I understand who I am in relation to the world. Again, another aspect of full human maturity is the ability to not take anything personal. And again, isn't that a definition of a mature human being. You are engaged in right effort in your study of the Dhamma. Right effort is the mindful effort to develop the Eightfold Path, the Buddha's words. One efforts, this is our effort, this is what we're putting our time and our effort in, one efforts to abandon wrong view, wrong intention, wrong speech, wrong action, wrong livelihood, wrong mindfulness, and wrong meditation. So the, the implication there, of course, is Uh, And I come across many people that object to even using the word wrong because it feels like a moral application. It's not. It's simply recognizing that as far as myself as a Dhamma practitioner, this aspect of my life, if it's causing stress and harm to me or others, is wrong. And so it also implies that there's such a thing as wrong mindfulness and wrong meditation. So not all type of mindfulness is, is right mindfulness, especially as it relates to the Dhamma. And not any meditation practice is right meditation, especially as it relates to the Dhamma. Excuse me. Abandon those aspects of the Eightfold Path and develop right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right mindfulness, and right meditation. That's the Buddha's path. He concludes this by saying, "This is one's right effort." So, if you ever get confused about what your what your right effort is, it always relates. As far as Dhamma practitioners, it relates directly to the Eightfold Path. There's nothing mystical, magical, or anything about right effort. It's just it's just incorporating all eight aspects of the Eightfold Path as the framework and guidance for our Dhamma practice and then for our life, for our life. Right effort also refers to organizing one's life for dhamma practicing. Organizing time for practice and quiet time is right effort. Engaging in a meditation practice that develops tranquility and insight is right effort. Right effort is effort spent understanding and developing the Four Noble Truths. Developing the path leading to the cessation of dukkha is right effort. Congratulations for your right effort. We're all engaged in that right now. The Buddha describes right effort succinctly. Abandon what is unskillful, meaning craving and clinging, and develop what is skillful, the Eightfold Path. He continues by saying, this is such an important line because there's so many things that I learned before I came to the Buddha's Dhamma that were impossible to, to teach or not to teach, to develop. There there was no practical benefit in a human life, and most of it was focused in a speculative non-human existence. The Buddha's words, if it were not possible to abandon what is unskillful and develop what is skillful, I would not teach this. The Buddha didn't teach anything that is not available to develop as individual human beings. If it were harmful to abandon what is unskillful and develop what is skillful, I would not teach this. Apply your efforts to develop what is skillful. The focus of thoughts determine experience. Thoughts preoccupied with clinging, craving, and aversion will lead to more confusion and stress. Thoughts concentrated on mindfulness of the Dhamma will bring liberation and freedom. Distracted thoughts focused on fleeting desires. Achievements and acquisitions can only lead to more confusion and stress. Thought and actions that create additional, <coughs> excuse me, additional self-identities, even altruistic, even altruistic, sorry about that, even altruistic self-identities can only lead to more confusion and stress. So. Um, this is another way of saying engaging in compassion without true wisdom can be very hurtful towards others and towards ourselves. An extreme example might be the Christian Crusades or modern jihad, but we've all done this in our in our own lives. Where we think we know better for the, for what better for someone else, and we think that we're acting out of compassion, but we're really not not having any wisdom involved in that. And I think we've all experienced the the hurt that and the harm that can that can follow from that type of compassion without wisdom. Thoughts that establish and reinforce the ego personality in any manner, including I am such a wonderful person because I'm so helpful, in any manner, in any realm, can only lead to more confusion and stress for the ego ego personality. I'm going to stop there um, because you've all read it. The next two sections that the Buddha refers to here, though, are referring to right mindfulness, meaning mindfulness rooted in the four foundations of mindfulness mindfulness of the breath in the body mindfulness of feelings arising and passing away mindfulness of thoughts arising and passing away and often attached to feelings and finally mindfulness of that that fourth quality of mind being mindful of the present quality of mind and so jen talked about this brilliantly i think on saturday that Right mindfulness is holding in mind the four foundation, foundations of mindfulness, both on our cushion and as concentration increases, off our cushion. So off our cushion, as, as we're developing the Eightfold Path and we find ourselves getting agitated, agitated and reacting to that feeling of agitation and usually looking to blame the event or the person for the agitation, we take a breath and maintain our mindfulness. We we put our mind back in our body. We stop blaming others and ourselves for how we're feeling and how we're thinking. And now we're protecting, we're practicing wise restraint on that fourth foundation of mindfulness, the present quality of our mind. So, and then the the last chapter, last section of this, not the last chapter, uh, is rather lengthy, but it it resolves in um, jhana meditation is right meditation. It's the only meditation method that the Buddha ever taught, and he taught it for that one specific reason, to develop non-distraction or a a well-concentrated mind so that that mind can hold in mind, mindfulness, the entire Eightfold Path. So, right meditation is not mindfulness. It's not a mindfulness practice. The Buddha never taught anything called mindfulness meditation. He taught jhana meditation that can then support right mindfulness. And I'm going to leave this lesson here. And we'll hear what you have to say. I'm going to start with Ram at the top. Hi, John. Hello, Ram. Um,
1: yeah, right up for it is a bit of an orphan in 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 the Eightfold Path because it's, it's not often talked about.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I never heard it, I don't think, but, for years.
1: Yeah. It, Bridges so nicely between the virtuous factors and um, and the concentration factors. Yeah. It's and it, it is what 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 the uh, the word says. It is it is putting in the correct effort. Yeah. To to be on the path. Um, comes up for me, I mean it came up very early, not actually I wasn't even I wasn't even concentrated on, on uh, right effort, but by the time you start establishing your meditation practice, that's your first step in right effort. And showing up for class is your first step in right effort. Yep. Um, and observing the virtuous, um, advice from the Buddha, there's your right effort starting out. Yeah. Um, but it's not often talked about it, This is, it, I, I find it curious, um, that's what, what, what keeps the Sangha together as well. That's right. Everybody's right effort in yep. in in just again showing up. It doesn't take much. Yeah. Just show up. And you know, when you've done it often enough, uh, even even opening your mouth when when it comes time for you to speak. That's right effort. Yeah. Um it's, it's, they're the, the, the basic building blocks of, of a practice. Um, it's glad that we, we went over this um, because it's, it's an important thing for, for all that start out on the path, is, is to, to see this as, as um, this starting point in, in, your, in your, um, your dharma practice. Years, no. right effort.
0: Start with this. Do this. Do that. Do that. Show up. Open your mouth. Practice. Yeah. No. Brilliantly said uh, that that part where it, it bridges the gap from uh, the virtuous factors to the concentration practice. It shows great insight. And you're right. You never hear about it. I I uh, I spent many years in modern Buddhism. Um, I even took my vows in a Tibetan lineage, I quickly disavowed them, but uh, all that time was an engagement in wrong effort because there was no there was no Dharma practice there. And I never heard anybody, um, whether in the Zen schools or the Tibetan schools that I went through, uh, teach anything about the Eightfold Path. They would occasionally mention, but very rarely, uh, and nothing on Four Noble Truths, except that the Buddha taught it, but, you know no understanding about that. Thank you, Ron. Good evening, Steve. Hi,
2: John. Hi, everybody. It's so amazing how everything is uh, interconnected uh, at full pass for Noble Truth. Even uh, dependent origination teaching, Uh, three characteristics of existence. Because even if you look at full pass, Uh, right view if you have right view it's create right understanding if you have right understanding so on and so on it's unbelievable how it's everything
0: connected
2: and also i have very uh brief question uh from the beginning of chapter you were talking about uh, four developments of concentration and my question is uh, this development is separate or it's come uh, after you have to develop one after you've developed one it's arise another one and when you develop one second one it's arise third one or it's kind of like spontaneous.
0: Stuff. I, 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 I think you're asking me if do you develop one part of the Eightfold Path and then go to the next.
2: No, my question is in the beginning of chapter, okay, I'll give me page, page 124, you're talking about the are 4 developments of concentration. There is development of concentration that uh, leads to pleasant abiding. Oh, in the here and now. Yeah, it's actually, uh, if uh, spontaneous or or it's
0: uh, related to parts of uh, personality. What you're what you're talking about is different levels of jhana that are they're developed simultaneously and they're really taught not as goals to reach, but simply to recognize that that's what's occurring within your Dhamma practice. Kind of as a benchmark for your, your own development. And there's really nothing in the in the um, in any of these aspects of the Dhamma that are, that are to be seen as achievements except the goal is awakening. But it's really just just a very gentle practice that we engage in, and these things, they, they develop naturally. Yeah. It's a very good question though, Steve. Thank you. Uh, I was going to call on Meg, but it looks like Meg left. Oh, there she is. Hey, Meg. Hey. Hey, I'm here. Yeah, you're <laughs> The screen's bouncing around on me. Yeah, that's okay. So, um,
3: yeah, I I have a lot of confusion right now about some stuff, and I'm going to try not to get too emotional, but um, I think it has a lot to do with um, this confusion between being um, compassionate and um, being codependent you know, like taking mm. on other people's stuff. Like if somebody's um, upset with me or whatever, even if like my immediate thing is, well, I didn't make you feel that, you know, but then at the same time, you know, I'm, I feel responsible. So it's a very confusing kind of a, a thing, you know, and I I kind of don't really... Know how to deal with that, you know. So I don't know any. I guess guidance around that would really be helpful. I guess.
0: Um, it it's such an important point, Meg. It it it's it's not it's it's very significant, and I think we all come up against this at times. The the great freedom that. Let me go back a little bit. I think one of the things that. Um, in a very subtle way, but very powerful way, conditions all our minds is the first time we ever hurt someone, whether it's a, you know, a kid brother or something like that. And we realize that an inadvertent action caused a harm to another person. In other words, it, it instills in us a feeling that we're out of control because we didn't mean to hurt nobody really wants to hurt anybody unless you're a true psychopath, and that's very rare. And so that starts conditioning our mind towards kind of an inner fear that I might do it again um i mean i quite talking about i can think of the first time i yelled at my father i was 13 years old probably before that but i can remember it now and how awful it felt but also how it conditioned my mind um uh and that that, that just builds and builds and builds within us um so we're carrying around this inner fear that i might do it again i might hurt someone or i might hurt myself When I first, when I finally developed the Eightfold Path, the great freedom that I finally realized, the power of the Eightfold Path, is that I I realized, and this wasn't, you know, this wasn't an instantaneous, you know, it took them a couple of years to get here, that if I'm living my life within the framework of the Eightfold Path, I can no longer harm myself or no one else or anyone else. There is so much free. That's where all the freedom in the path lies, doesn't it? And it's kind of what you're talking about. So as you integrate the Eightfold Path, and and it's an aspect of right intention, so you're involved with someone and they're angry with you, but you know that your, your thoughts, words, and deeds were framed by the Eightfold Path, you know that you did not contribute to that situation. And so it's very easy to stay out of it and let other people be who they are. We've learned very quickly that we're not responsible for how other people think or act, the only people we can control, and the word the control is the right word, is ourselves. But we can also then practice compassionate, compassion married with true wisdom. So when we see someone flying off at the handle, even if it's directed at us, but we know we don't deserve it, we can maintain a calm presence. Sometimes that's helpful and sometimes it's not. Even the Buddha, the Buddha never saw himself as a savior. He never taught, thought that he was teaching a salvific religion. And there's many stories in the, in the Dhamma, uh, the story of Angulimala comes to mind, where he was able to turn a murderer's head around and, and lead him directly to the Dhamma. But yet there's other stories where he couldn't even help his own cousin, Devadatta, try to kill him, his cousin, the Buddha, twice. But it wasn't because of the Buddha, was it? It was because of what was the conflict in Devadatta's mind. So I don't want to get too deep into the weeds of this the situation determines how we're going to be. The only thing that we can ever control in this world is our own mind, period. But that's where all the liberation and freedom comes, because it's my mind. It's not yours. It's not the world. It's not, you know, whatever the current present. Is. It's got nothing to do with that. No matter where I am, if, I'm, if my mind is framed by the Eightfold Path, my mind is calm and I'm at peace. So does that help?
3: Um, yeah, it helps. Um, I know it up here but
0: I don't know it here. <laughs> you will, Meg. I mean, it, it, you'll you'll start integrating it and acting in this way, and it'll, it'll become second nature to you. But I'd like to offer you, if you ever want to talk directly to me, just send me an email. We'll set up a time to talk about things like this. So I'd be happy to. So, Thank you for joining tonight. Brett, is that you up there in the corner? How are you?
3: I'm good. Uh, good to be here.
0: Are you in Frenchtown? I'm in Frenchtown. Yeah,
3: I've i missed a couple classes. I've been going. I, I've not been. Uh, I've been going, and then nobody's been there, and then I missed, and then
0: I don't know. Nobody's been there. I I, I, I kind of messed up for a week or so there, but not.
3: I'm not in a loop, but it's all good. I'm here now.
0: Um, well, I don't mean to interrupt you. Do you do you get the email, the newsletter? Uh.
3: Yes, then I, I know it's all probably in there as well.
0: It is, but I, I, it's good to see yeah. you tonight.
3: Good to see you. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, this has been good to hear or this, the concentration factors and um, you know, right effort. And uh, I've had kind of a scattered mind—not a scattered mind, but you know, simple. My mind has been simply been distracted, I guess, with um, you know, with social media or whatever, and not being able to hold. Uh, a well concentrated
1: mind. So I'm been you know, stepping back into it now, uh, trying to do
3: more meditation and uh, things like that. And uh, so I'm realizing realizing the difference. And then you know, here in the class tonight, you know, and that's it, it's what I'm what you know what has kind of been lacking. So yeah. it's good to hear that and uh, the right effort. And you know, am I am I doing that? And uh, am I am I applying myself? when i am then i see a difference so I, i've been keeping the, keeping it up but um,
0: <clears throat> it's good to be here so yeah you. it's good to have you and it, it, it's a similar to that other program we're, we're a part of uh just on a daily basis remind yourself am i engaged in right effort here you know right uh, do you listen to the guided meditations from the website yeah oh good yeah. okay good glad you made it tonight brett give me a call we'll talk thank soon
3: you. yes definitely
0: Good. Hello, my friend Matt.
3: Hey, John.
4: Hey, everybody. Good to see everybody. Steve, good to meet you. Good to see you here. Um,
2: nice
4: to well, meet you too. Uh, so, <clears throat> the concentration factors. These. This really. You know, I like. I really like what Rom said about it. Um, and that when we think of effort, we think of practice. So what is Buddhist practice? Well, here at Crossover Meditation Center, Buddhist practice has to do with understanding the Four Noble Truths and practicing the Eightfold Path. Within that is right meditation right mindfulness and right effort. So right effort is, is connecting what practice is. Yeah. It's effort. You know, it takes time. It takes, um, honesty. It takes patience. It takes these things that, uh, sometimes we struggle with. Um, and when we, give our right effort to our meditation practice, to our Buddhist practice, we start to develop concentration. And when we develop concentration, we start to notice the quality of our minds. And I just wanted to maybe make a comment about what Meg had said about, um, you know, being in a, in a codependent relationship, or and thinking about it in terms of compassion or or lack of compassion. Um, and Meg, I, I would just wonder how how you notice the quality of your mind when you're when you're in these situations, if you're if you're trying to rescue someone or Fix something, or change something, or have something be different than it is. Then I would want you to notice the quality of your mind in that instance. What's going on? Where are, are you agitated? Are you there, there's something there? There's feeling there that is maybe being ignored no problem just come back to the sensation of breathing in your body come back to your mind united in its body and that takes effort that takes attention that takes honesty and that takes concentration and you know that's part of the practice to notice when to notice the quality of our mind in relation to people, events, objects, views. Um, so I hope everybody followed
0: that. I don't That was <laughs> d- excellent, Matt. You know, Matt, 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 Matt uh, teacher Matt, we, we notice the quality of our mind and then we're at peace with our mind. That's the fourth foundation of mindfulness. We learn to be at peace with less than peaceful mind states. That sounds a little nutty at first until you realize that's the essence of the Dhamma. The Dhamma is that doesn't mean we create a a, a a stagnant mind that cannot engage in the world. It's a mind that is deeply engaged in the world. And so there's, you know, there's this. I mean, that's how the world is. And when we notice a disturbance in the mind, we take a breath, like Matt said, and be be at peace with this present quality of our mind. And then we're into the next moment. And we didn't lose our mind over it. So excellent, Matt. Thank you. Josh, good to see you.
5: Thank you, John. Thank you, everybody. Uh, really enjoyed what everybody's had to say. Uh, I'm just thinking, you know, I read that Meg brought this up and, and, uh, it, you know, it's a crazy world out there. And there are a lot of wrong views because people haven't had the benefit of being exposed to what the Buddha taught, which yeah. uh, we have a very, really unique position to have that experience or have the, the potential yeah. to have that experience. And, and uh, uh, right view uh, kind of gets away from all the ignorance and craziness that's out there. And, and uh, as you say, like codependence is it, my the way I feel about myself is dependent on what a lot of crazy enough people are doing out there not yeah. I, I don't have to be there anymore if I don't choose to so I'm going to practice right speech and maybe a little bit of wise restraint and and uh, be silent Thank you
0: Beautiful Josh good to see you. How are you Kevin? How many we got one two three four teachers on tonight that's pretty good. And me, fine. How are you, Kevin? Nice to see you uh, playing center field again, John. Um, <laughs> you
4: know, I liked what Rom had said, and you know, knowing Matt for as long as I know him, sometimes the words are uh, in both of our minds. The word honesty was coming to mind for me. Um, right effort is, you know, where the intersection of honesty and truth, you know, sort of. The alchemy happens that's it's one of the few things in our life that we understand is true the more that we practice the more we able to we' able to be calm the more we able to see things clearly as Steve said through right view and in situations such as we have in in life we we're able to notice our mind and catch ourselves in action and, and which we, we we try and return to the sensation of breathing that's the calm mind that's a supple mind for a world that's pretty rigid, as Josh described. So mm-hmm. I, I like where everybody was threading that. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Kevin. Uh, Julia, how are you?
6: Hello, John. Hello, everybody. I'm good. <laughs> um, I, I wrote a little thing. I'll, I'll read it. Um, hopefully, it's uh, it's good. Uh, right effort is a mindful turning point from conditioned reaction direct mental training through wise restraint. Um, Right effort is the energized drive. For this energy to become a contributor to the path, it must be guided by right view and right intention. Right effort is the effort, the intention to hold the hindrances in check. The hindrances do not come from outside of the mind, but from within. They appear through the activation of conditions that that lie dormant in a deep, recesses of the mind awaiting the opportunity to again surface um, right effort and right mindfulness one can restrain the cognitive process before it leads astray and, and to experience life as life unfolds dispassionately without making it personal that's what I mm-hmm. got that's what I wrote
0: that's brilliant to <laughs> you yeah I mean, that you you described it perfectly thank you yeah, thank you Michael how are you
7: Hi, John. Hi, everybody. Uh, I like uh, here in this uh, chapter, John, week six here. The foundation of understanding begins with right view and progresses through the next seven factors. So right view is of great importance in understanding uh, the other seven factors. Uh, yep. That right view it's there's a pivotal understanding there to be had with right view, uh, as as the way I understand it. Yeah. Leave the way uh, the Buddha intended it to be understood. That right view is a view that is non-self referential, is void of self reference in the other factors of the eightfold path. So there's. Uh, when we're living our lives as in, our lives as they unfold, to be in uh, obviously right view and to practice the Eightfold Path, all our actions, words, thoughts, deeds uh, that that we impart are to be done uh, without self-reference. Yep. Okay. That's the profound understanding, uh, and that's of the of the Eightfold Path and uh, right view as being. Uh, that which enables us to see uh, the way the Buddha wanted us to understand uh, right yeah. view, uh, or the Eightfold Path, also. So when we get to, uh, with this in mind, um, you know, as Meg was saying, she has a, she's struggling there with you know several different things there, but I believe all all things come down to you know suffering and the uh, cessation of it all comes down uh, to um, certain conditions. Um, These conditions arise because of our self-reference as, and although like we think we're sometimes not being self-referential, we actually are being self-referential. If we were to impart or understand compassion from right view, right view from, or um, well, compassion from right view again this is a selfless act. When we, if if you think about now here, what John is doing for us here, John imparts the Buddhist teachings, authentic Buddhist teachings, to all of us. All of us, I think, to a person, what they we've we've grown and involved in our thinking. Uh, in our in our way of being in this in this human life, because of John's selfless act of compassion, by painstakingly putting forth all the knowledge that he's uh, uh, amassed and presenting it to us, so just think of how great that great that is to have that sort of compassion as the Buddha did for, for all of us. So the point I'm trying to make is this: is that's right, compassion. One of right view and understanding. So, right view, uh, compassion and empathy can be practiced from wrong view or misunderstood uh, if we don't have right view. If we have self-reference, self-reference um, factored into a compassionate act, then that's wrong, wrong view, and that's not compassion as the way the Buddha intended it. So, as uh, Meg, as you suffer. Uh, Perhaps uh, there's an understanding maybe to be had between empathy. And Julia had pointed this out some time ago in a class. There is a difference between empathy and compassion. Um, Empathy empathy is when you take on the suffering of someone else and you feel it yourself. And uh, you're feeling that pain and suffering, but you're becoming someone who is subjected then to that pain and suffering. So now you have two people. Uh, who are suffering, as opposed to one person suffering and the other person, the other person being compassionate and helping them get through their suffering. So we have to step back and and look at compassion from right view and understand it, yep. and try to subtract ourselves from feeling the pain of of uh, getting totally wrapped up into someone else's. Uh, suffering which is not an easy thing to do but no. if you can understand the perspective then it could help in add clarity to and help you through your tough times right. i'm sorry for being so
0: long-winded uh, but that's right. well said michael thank you jane how are you
6: i'm well how are you john
0: i'm good thanks good to see you yeah um, good to be seen
6: <laughs> i was reflecting a lot on how the practice the concentration i developed through my meditation has has really affected how i act and um, i realize that it's given me a pause when when something occurs um, i formerly was a very reactive person with with every part of my body i reacted yep. and now i i realize i'm aware that i have a pause and then i action might be required or it might be something I don't need to to react to you know to attend to it all but this my meditation has given me that pause and that's just so valuable.
0: Yeah. You're describing wise restraint Jane. Thank you. Uh like we'll go with Mary. How are you? I'm glad you came back.
6: Hi John. My phone died. I'm sorry. Um you know, I think with all factors of the Eightfold Path, dispassion um, plays a role. Yeah. And that's a difficult thing to learn. And one of the many things we learned to let go of. Uh, but I remember when I, um, you know, heard the fire discourse and had to recognize the the things that I brought on and valued that were of passion, um, and then come to an understanding of what the real meaning of the word dispassion was. Yeah. And so I think with every factor of the Eightfold Path, um, you know, that has to be part of it because that's part of taking yourself out of uh, that factor. um
0: mm-hmm in order to truly understand it and to take it off your question. Yeah,
6: so, yeah. Um, thank you,
0: John. Thank you, Mary. Uh, David!
5: Good evening, John. Good uh, evening. I, I don't know if this is a thing, but I, I'm just going to say noble listening. Yeah. This has been an outstanding
4: class and uh so wise and just to be able to say that uh right effort supports the entire practice yeah and uh right effort means different things at at different points in the practice as ram was saying it's just getting up and sitting and committing to it day after day and you can hear that in brett's comments and then it becomes more refined and, and you start understanding that right effort is tied to truly the four noble truths and the responsibility you're taking on. So
3: again, it's so wonderful to hear the Sangha and
0: uh, thank you. Thank you, David. Uh, thank you all for really another wonderful class. I think, did I get everyone? Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> There's something else I was going to say, but I can't remember what it is. So, can't be all that important. It's really another wonderful class. Uh, we're going to continue on Saturday. Uh, I think it's Saturday's class is on the three marks of existence. No, it's on. Eh. <laughs> it's tough when I'm running uh, Tuesday and Saturday going through the book in one sequence, and then Thursday's different, but I'll keep them straight. So uh, we'll finish with uh, with Meta as we always do. So find your relaxed meditation posture, gently close your eyes, gently close your mouth, and take a moment to become mindful of your in-breath and your out-breath. And these are the Buddha's words on Metta from the Karaniya Metta Sutta. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties, and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. Wishing, in gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, The great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding, by not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you all for another wonderful class. Peace. Stay safe. Stay warm. Bye,
1: everybody. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye. The,
0: uh, John,
3: John, class Saturday morning in... in
0: no, until at least mid-March, all the classes will be online only. Okay. So I'll see, see ya. you. I'll see you online.
3: John, see you may call
0: tomorrow you. yes, yes, I will. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Night. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com Thank you Peace